much, Debbie. Thank you. Beautiful, glorious song. A song like that helps you forget a terrible Saturday on a glorious, glorious Sunday, right? Absolutely refocuses everything. And that's what we are focusing on by being refocused as a church. And to do that this morning, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 71. Would you turn with me to Psalm 71 this morning? And as you're turning there, please be praying for our students who are away at Woodlands Camp Retreat this weekend. They finalized that this morning, about 165, I think, that are there. So let's pray for them. And ask God to do some great things in these last sessions. And then also, we know this is the end of fall break. And a lot of people are making their way back uh, here to Knoxville. So pray for their safe return. So a great day away from here and also right here. Because the Lord is always doing new and fresh and wonderful things. Right? And let's pray that we will have a fresh moment with him right now. Let's look at Psalm 71. Psalm 71, if you'd like to follow along, that's page 484 in the Bible that's provided there for you. And I want us to read together uh, these first 18 verses of this beautiful psalm. Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually to you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him for there is none to deliver him. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me. 
until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. The word of the Lord and the people of God said amen. Now, many of you know that I wear contact lenses. And some time ago, I went to the optometrist to get an exam and he prescribed some new ones. He said, I think you'll like these. He said, Sam, you can even sleep in these contacts. And I thought, well, really I don't usually have a problem on my vision when my eyes are closed. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Darkness in focus, darkness out of focus. I thought about saying, Four years of medical school, and that's what what you're saying. But I thought I'd try it. And when I woke up in the morning, I thought, never again. (laughs) I couldn't, everything was a blur. Everything was out of focus. I I had to take those things out, and, and I had to set them aside. I had to get some fresh lens. I had to get a fresh focus. I've been asleep for quite some time. And when I woke up, my vision was blurred. I needed a fresh vision. I needed a refocus. You see where I'm going with this? Sometimes as believers, we can just drift in to a a sleep a nap-like stage in our Christian experience. It can go on like Rumpelstiltskin for some, year after year after year. But God is able to give us fresh eyesight, right? He's able to take old eyes and let those old eyes see new things. Things that are and things that can be by the grace of the living God. Now our series this fall is about being a church refocused. Thought that would be helpful for us as we've come to a time of planting the church several weeks ago, Emmanuel Church. And important for us to have a vision that's refocused for our church here at West Park. And so we've set aside this time to think on Sunday mornings about being refocused, a church refocused. Three weeks ago, I talked to you about being a church refocused as a personal community. That is the personal community of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church, right? He did not promise to build our church or some other church, but he did say, I will build my church and we have the privilege of being laborers together with God, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about being a church refocused as a passionate community. Jesus said to a great church at Ephesus, I I, I see all these wonderful things about you, but I have something significant against you. You have abandoned your first love. 
To be refocused as a church or to be refocused as an individual, your focus has to be on the loving Savior of your life, Jesus Christ. And last week, Al brought a tremendous message about being refocused as a church, as a praying community, a praying community, the importance of prayer. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to go out to our website. Every day for the next few weeks, there's a, a time of devotion that's given there through the Psalms, experiencing God and praising God through the Psalms. We have some other prayer focus that are coming these next few weeks as well. I encourage you to be involved in those. But this morning, I, I want us to look at Psalm 71, and I want us to be a church refocused as we look at this, about being a persevering community, a persevering community. And my theme for you today is this, growing gray in grace, growing gray in grace. Refocusing, not retiring. Refocusing, not retiring. What I've read to you this morning is the psalm of the senior saint. It is the psalm of someone not decrepit, not someone who's just at the verge of eternity, but someone who has known the Lord for many years and walked long with the Lord and has a long history of experiencing God. And this is the psalm of that mature senior saint. Growing gray in grace. Now as we read the psalm, the author is unknown. We're not certain which of the Old Testament writers is the author of the psalm. But we know that the psalmist writes in a time of personal tiredness. If you, if you read it, he's just tired. He's writing in a time of personal trials. You, if you listened or followed along, he's under personal attack from enemies. And he's also writing in a time of political turmoil. Personal tiredness. Physical tiredness, I should say, personal trials and political turmoil. And yet his heart's desire, after all these years and in the midst of all these difficulties, his heart's desire is to persevere, to press on for the Lord and to press on for the Lord's people. He is a believer full of years. He's not a young man anymore. He's a believer full of years, but he wants to stay as a God follower, a man full of grace, full of faith, full of influence, a man who in his latter years wants to leave a legacy. He wants to grow old in grace. Now, as you can imagine, this psalm is becoming ever more personal to me. And I was gray-headed before I was old. And now I'm old and gray-headed. It's becoming ever more personal to me. I, I see myself, find myself reading this psalm after these 60 years of life now and soon to be 30 
years as pastor of this church. I pray what I have to share this morning will be personal as well to many that are in this room. Mature believers, people who've walked with the Lord for decades. And many who will hear on radio and internet, how do we grow old in grace? Many don't. How do we grow old and grow gray in grace? Well, I want you to notice how it occurs. How it occurs as this man sings his psalm of praise to God. It occurs with several aspects that I want you to notice this morning. It occurs in our lives, first of all, notice by constantly reflecting on God's grace. Constantly reflecting on God's grace. There was another Jewish writer of a century or more ago. His name was Benjamin Disraeli. He was a novelist and he was also prime minister of England in the Victorian era. And here's what he said. Youth is a mistake. Manhood is a struggle. Old age is a regret. Youth is a mistake, manhood is a struggle, and old age is a regret. How different is the attitude of this Jewish writer? Look at verses five and six. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. What is this old fellow doing? He is tracing grace. Physically tired, personally attacked, living in political turmoil, and he looks back over the decades of his life and he traces God's grace. That's beautiful image, isn't it? He goes all the way back to his birth, before his birth, how God graced him, and God graced him in his childhood. It's an incredible blessing. Many of you here know it, to have a heritage of faith from your mother and father. Isn't that a great blessing to you? I am so grateful. As I read this, I thought about my mom. And my mom, if I could call her one thing, I'd call her a woman of the word. Because one of my distinct memories of my mom is morning after morning after morning, sitting in her chair, reading the Bible. She read it through every year for over the last 40 years of her life. And sometimes two times a year. She was just a woman of the word and her Bible was worn out. And I remember in 2006 on Mother's Day, the Mother's Day after her death, I brought a message called My Mother's Bible. She was a woman of the word. What a great legacy. And, and my father, he would never let me forget this. My mother's name was Eunice. And my dad would come up to me in his folksy way and he'd have the Bible open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And he'd say, son, now remember the faith of your mother, Eunice. 
And I'm persuaded it's in you too. (laughs) Many of you share that kind of heritage. Many of others here, you have known the Lord since childhood. Some of you known the Lord since your youth. And many of you here have had decades of following the Lord and experiencing his grace. And as you look back over those decades, can't you see the tender, tough, relentless grace of God? You look back over those decades and he has been steadfast, his grace. How do you you grow old in grace? You look back and you trace grace in your life. You reflect on that. You focus on that. Friends, resist the common practice among many older people to focus on ease. And let me tell you what I mean. When I say focus on ease, some people, as they get some years, begin to focus on ease. They focus on their infirmities and their enemies and their liabilities and their anxieties. They focus on ease. Reflect on God's grace. Reflect on God's grace, his goodness that spans the decades and has followed you all the days of your life. Makes you tender. And makes you strong too. When you think about the grace of God. Friends listen. The Lord can grow a mushroom overnight. But it takes him decades. To grow up an oak of righteousness. The storms. And the oaks just cause them to be stronger as the wind moving the branches causes those roots to go deeper into the earth. So it is that the storms of life should drive us deeper into the grace of God. Now mature believers can grow tender, not tough, and they can grow stronger as they are relying on God's grace, even in the latter years. Reflecting on God's grace, you got more years behind you, many of us, than we do have in front of us. Most of the sand is in the bottom glass. So what are we to do? We're to be relying on God's grace. It can be a tough time in those Older years, but listen to how this psalmist is just desperate to rely on the grace of God. Verse 9, he says, Do not cast me off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. He's desperate for God, he feels the need of God. Great. Commentator and pastor Albert Barnes said this about the psalmist, quote, he clings to God with every fiber of his being as he has done from youth, so he does now. 
He's crying for preserving grace. He's on the downward side of the mountain. And did you know that most mountain climbers do not die on the way up? They die on the way down. He's crying out for preserving grace. He's surrounded by enemies. He senses the opposition. He hears the accusations. And it's even echoing in his own conscience. He's, he's struggling internally with what's going on. Verse 9, that's the reason he cries out, do not forsake me and cast me off in time my old age. Don't forsake me when my strength is spent for my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together. After all these years of following the Lord, the psalmist finds himself not in the promised land, but in a wilderness. He didn't expect to be here at this time in his life. He finds himself in a barren wasteland. Opposition, antagonism, friends who have deserted him. And he feels utterly overwhelmed and he feels alone. And what does he do though? That's the question. What does he do when he feels that way? When it feels like God's not within a hundred miles of him... And he's in the middle of a desert. What does he do? He goes to God. He prays. He prays. And he prays for grace. For grace to persevere. He wants to persevere. He, he cries out for that grace. Look at verse 12. He says, oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. He needs God and he knows it. He feels it. He knows without God, he won't make it. My friends, I want to tell you, regardless of how long you've been a follower of Jesus Christ, without his daily grace, you won't make it. We won't make it. We desperately need the daily grace to persevere in the faith. To persevere, to go on in salvation. We need that grace. And thank God his grace is enough, right? His grace is enough. Listen, his grace is enough after years of following him, not just to persevere, but to prevail. And by God's grace, that's what this old timer did. He refocused. He looks around and he looks up. And after looking up, he looks at himself and he refocuses and the way he does this by seeing who God has been to him and who God is, he refocuses in rededicating himself to God's grace. 
He's been reflecting on God's grace. Now he is rededicating himself to God's grace. He's not satisfied just to survive. Did you notice this? He doesn't just want to survive this problem. He wants to thrive. And by God's grace, he declares. What does he declare? Did you hear this? He says, I will. By God's grace, he says, I will. Listen to him in verse 14. Mark your Bible. But I will hope continually. And I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. Verse 16, with the mighty deeds of the Lord, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. Now, friend, those are decisive words. I will. God helping me. He says, I will. Those are personally decisive words of a senior saint, a mature believer who says, I'm making a decision. God's grace that was with me before I was born. God's grace that brought me into this life. This gracious God who has been with me all the days of my journey. I will yet serve him and praise him. He makes a decision about his will. He says, I will hope. It looks hopeless, but I look to God, I will hope. He makes a decision about his worship. He says, I will praise you. I will, I choose to praise. And he makes a decision about his witness. I will tell of your mighty acts. I won't be quiet. I won't turn inward, I'm going to turn outward. He makes a decision, rededicating himself, his will, his worship, and his witness. Now, friend, I want to tell you, that is true biblical power of positive thinking. There was a minister years ago wrote a book, is a bestseller, sold millions and millions of copies, the Reverend Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. He wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. And in that book, he said, quote, whatever man can conceive, what, excuse me, whatever the mind can conceive, man can achieve. Whatever the mind can conceive, man can achieve. <laughs> well, you know, I prefer the Reverend Dr. Paul of Tarsus. Because he said, I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. Quite frankly, I find Peel appalling and Paul appealing. I don't know about you. Some of you, that's all you needed right there. I know, you're good. Personal rededication. By God's grace, 
Today, that's where some senior saints are this moment. Some mature believers in this room and some that are hearing my voice after decades of serving the Lord in times of challenge and trial and yes, even depression, today is a day for you, my dear brother and sister, to rededicate yourself to the grace of God. It's so powerful when someone has years to draw upon You know what a senior saint can do, a mature Christian can do, just what the psalmist decided to do. He decided to rededicate himself to God's grace, and then he decided to reinvest God's grace. He's going to reinvest it. I was reading an article recently, and it was about the miraculous power of reinvesting Stock dividends. Illustration is of two young men. They're both 25. And both of these young men at the age of 25 inherit $50,000 of stock each in a dividend paying stock. That is a dividend paying stock takes some of the profit of the company and gives it back to the shareholders. And so these two men at the age of 65 both received $50,000 each in dividend-paying stock. And the dividend was 3.3% a year. One young man spent the dividends. Whatever came in the dividend check, he just spent it. And the other young man Just let those dividends reinvest into purchasing more stock. The two young men hold the same stock for 40 years. And over 40 years, it averages 8% growth. The one young man who spent the dividends at 65 years of age, he has a million dollars in stock. But the young man who just let the dividends reinvest 3.3% a year at 65, he has $3.3 million. It is the power of reinvesting dividends. And my friend, I want to tell you, that is the power of a senior saint, a mature Christian. Are you going to reinvest the decades of grace God has richly bestowed on you? Are you going to reinvest the dividends that God has poured into your life? Now, how do you do that? How do you reinvest those dividends? How do you grow old and grow gray in grace and reinvest those dividends? Well, the psalmist tells us, here's how you do it. Look at verses 17, 18. Here's how you reinvest the dividends of a long life. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me 
and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, do not forsake me, O God, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. He is determined to reinvest his life in those that are younger than him. The generation to come. He's investing in the next generation. He doesn't see the next generation as a liability. He doesn't see the next generation as someone who didn't have to work for it like he did. He doesn't see the next generation as someone who's been babied and given life handed to him on a platter. That's not how he sees the next generation. He sees them not as a liability, but as a treasure. You see, friends, there's a natural tendency. It's natural. It's part of our very physical being, and it is a part of the culture in which we live our lives. And we are told this every day as people growing older. We are told to resign from everything. Seek relaxation. That's what it's all about. You've worked hard, now resign, relaxation, and rest. These final years that you have on this planet. Friend, I want to tell you, resist that. Resist that. That is completely foreign to the word of God. This is the best time to reinvest your time. To reinvest your life in what? The next generation. How does the psalmist do that? Did you know what he does? He seeks out younger people. He seeks them out. He says, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to come to them and I'm going to tell them of the works of my God. Friends, I'll encourage you to do that. Some of you in your children, reinvest in your children. Invest what God has told you into the hearts of your children. I thank God a thousand times over for parents who told me the stories of their faith and their father's faith and their grandfather's faith and of their own journey. Tell the stories to your children. Tell the stories to your grandchildren. What incredible, what incredible ministry of being a grandparent. I'm looking forward to it. I need to get Friday out of the way here. I got, okay, get things in the right order. But I'm looking forward to that. To to invest in your children's children. Wow. What about our children? Aren't we a community of faith? What about our children? What about West Park's 
next generation. West Park has a great next generation. I am just humbled when I talk with some of these young people and what I see God doing in their lives. And some of these children, they, they touch my heart. West Park has a great next generation. I, I just ask for these numbers. I, I, I just want you to see, in high school, we have about 135. Middle school, there's about 100. Pre-K through fifth grade, 231. And in the nursery, 55. That's 23 months and under. That's just on Sunday mornings of regular coming. 521 under the age of 18. Then Awana, we have 219 on Wednesday nights. And his abilities, that's our special needs. There's 50 there. That's, that's 790 children ministry, 790 in West Park. And then if you add in the Boys and Girls Club that we minister to every day, 175, every week, 965 children. And folks, I want to encourage some of you. Reinvest yourself there. There is a change that's happened across churches across America. Listen carefully. When I was in my ministry early, and I've checked this with others going back a couple of decades, you walk the halls of the children's ministry in various areas in Awana, and you know what you saw? You saw a lot of gray hair. But in churches everywhere anymore, you don't see that very much at all. Now, thank God we have some. We have some that served for years. Matter of fact, we have one dear lady, Barb, who's worked in Awana 40 years right here. Tell me about her reward in heaven. Put up with my kids for a few of those. (laughs) But you know, we have incredible needs. At 9 30, 11 o'clock, we need people to work four and five year olds, just need some volunteers. And third through fifth grade at 9 30 in the crossroads ministry. We, and uh, cubbies on Wednesday night, three to five year olds, we need some folks just to come and help them learn the, their verses. And a one of all ages on Wednesday night, just some people to listen to. to be there with these children, invest their lives, his abilities, working with these special needs. Oh my word, what a blessing. But you can imagine 965 a week. Wednesdays, that release time program called Blast, where the gospel's being shared with our boys club, girls club, incredible folks. Some of you have got decades And you are not alienated from these young people. They would think you are, excuse me, I'll date myself, the cat's meow. (laughs) I pray that many will think about getting involved. 
life stages. How do we grow in grace? I just want to share this with you from this truth of God's word. You grow in grace. How do you grow gray in grace? First of all, make sure you've had a gospel birth. Make sure you've had a gospel birth. Jesus said you must be born again. You may be in a church member for 60 years, but going to church will not make you a Christian. You must be born again. Make sure you've been born again. Examine the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Is there love, joy, peace, and long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, kindness, meekness? Do you see these qualities in your life? These are not qualities that are supposed to be in your life when you get to heaven. These are the qualities of the Spirit. Ask God for His grace to confirm that His life is in you. And that's being expressed in the fruit of the Spirit. There has to be a gospel birth. Then there's got to be gospel growth. Grow in grace, Peter says. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and in the knowledge. The knowledge of Christ. Not just knowledge about Christ, but knowing about Christ so that you can truly know Christ. The experience of Christ. Folks, may I tell you, and I speak to my own heart, growing old in grace doesn't mean growing in grumpiness. I prayed, and I want you to help me. Help me. I don't want to be a grumpy old preacher. I don't want to be a grumpy old Christian. You help me, and I'll help some of you, okay? Don't be grumpy. The older you get in grace, the more you will hold on to the essentials of Christ and the blood and salvation and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You will hold those things so strongly, but as you grow in grace, you don't get grumpy about the non-essentials. God bless you folks, I love you, but some of you are just getting grumpy. (laughs) Just stop it. And that should lead to gospel parenting. Paul says you have many guides, but you only have one parent. You know how you can tell A person has become a a mature Christian. A mature Christian produces other Christians. A mature Christian produces other Christians. Oh, friends, listen, as the years go by, pray and plead that the Lord will let you leave this planet with a few folks that you've brought to Jesus. And then gospel grandparenting. Paul said, Timothy, the things that I've told you, you tell others and teach others who will be able to also share them as well. 
generations. One of the things that is a blessing as you grow in grace is not just to be a gospel parent, but to see some of your spiritual children becoming parents. Discipling disciple makers. Oh, dear friends, some of you have so much to share. I'm astounded at your knowledge of the word. I'm amazed at the grip that you have on the things of God. I'm encouraged by your mature walk with the Lord. And I'm thankful for some of you. Many of you serve in so many ways, but I want to challenge you. Grow gray in grace and reinvest in the generation to come. Graham Scroggie, the great Scottish preacher, said, the spirit can be young when the bones are old. (laughs) The spirit can be young when the bones are old. Oh, folks, some people are checked out in their 40s, and some are excited in their 80s. It's up to you. It's up to me. Saints like Caleb... Caleb saw it. Listen to me. He saw it when he was 45. He saw it. What did he see? He saw that incredible mountain that he wanted to be his. He saw that, that, that beautiful Small mountain in Israel. And he thought about it for the next 40 years while he had to go back into the wilderness with the others, those who would not believe. But he never got it off his mind. And at 85, when they're back to the River Jordan to come into the promised land, you know what that 85-year-old man said? He said, I want that mountain that the Lord has given me. Basically, just what he's saying is, fellas, follow me. (laughs) Follow me. Let's go take this hill for the Lord. So even to old age and gray hairs Oh God, forsake me not until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Growing gray in grace. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, help us now to grow in Grow and grow in your grace. We desperately need your grace. We feel it, Lord. And I pray right now that you will draw people through this message by radio or by the internet or by the, in this very room. Draw people to a re, reliance only on Jesus. And Lord, I pray for others who've known you for years. And I pray for some who have accepted the worldly, sinful idea of retirement. 
that Lord, they will know that while they're on this planet, they have a purpose to testify of the grace of God and to invest their lives, yes, even in the generations that are coming. Lord, help us to do that as a church. I I pray that you'll raise up people, even people who've known you for years, who will invest themselves in the generation to come. And now, Lord, I pray in the midst of a difficult climate in our country, I pray in a season when small men and women cast big shadows, that we will flourish gripping you and having you grip us by grace that we'll be faithful and persevering and rejoicing in the experience of Christ and the privilege of making him known. And all who agree with this prayer, would you say, amen, amen. Let's stand together.